The subject of the next parak and a half is an oines and a mafate. An oines is somebody who forces another woman who isn't married to him to have relations with him, and a mafate is somebody who seduces and convinces another woman to have relations with him. Now there are three stages in a girl's maturity. If she is under the age of bas mitzvah, under the age of 12, she is known as a ktana. From the age of 12 until 12 and a half, that is the period during which she is maturing, and she is known as a nara, and from the age of 12 and a half and upwards, she is considered fully matured, and she is called a begeres. Now the Torah says that if somebody is oines, he forces a woman, or mafateh, he convinces a woman to have relations with him. If she is a na'ara, which means she's between the age of 12 and 12 and a half, and she is a basula, which means she has never had relations before, then he is obligated to pay her father a fine of 50 silver coins, as well as some other payments which we're going to see later on in this perek. And as well as that, an oines is obligated to marry that woman who he forced to have relations. There's possibly also a mitzvah for the mafateh, however he is not obligated to do so. And the point of this mission is to tell us that even those women who one is forbidden to marry, if he was oines or mafateh then, although he cannot fulfill that mitzvah of marrying her, or that obligation of marrying her, nevertheless he is still obligated to pay the fine to her father. However, there are certain instances where if it was forbidden to marry her, then he would be exempt from paying the father. And that is when the prohibition to marry her is so severe that it carries with it a death penalty. In such a case, we have a rule called Kim Le that if somebody performs an act for which he would be liable to two different punishments, let's say one punishment which the Basin gives you and another one that you have to pay something, the rule of Kim Le states that he only receives the harsher punishment. Not only that, even if for whatever reason he's not able to receive that harsher punishment, for example, if there weren't witnesses, or the witnesses didn't warn him that what he is doing is forbidden and he'll be punished by receiving the death penalty, and so for technical reasons like that, he's not able to receive that punishment. Even in that case, he would not receive the less severe punishment of having to pay. Since intrinsically the act which he did is one which deserves a harsher punishment, he'll never receive the less severe punishment of having to pay. Be'azamei begins the Mishnah, These are the Na'orais, that's the plural of Na'ara, a woman between the age of 12 and 12 and a half, who if one were to be Oynes Omafata them, he would be liable to pay the fine of 50 silver coins to their father. And the Mishnah doesn't bother listing a regular Jew, because that's obvious. The point is, even if it's a forbidden marriage, for example, Abalah Mamzeres, one who has relations with a Mamzeres, who is a girl born as a result of forbidden relationships, Valhanasina, or a Nasina, who is a girl descended from the Giv'oinim, who tried to join the Jewish people in the times of Yeshua, and they were set up to be wood choppers and water carriers, and it is forbidden for a regular Jew to marry a Nasina. Valakusis, or a girl who comes from the nation of Kusim, who was a nation who converted en masse to become Jewish as a result of them experiencing attacks from lions, and out of fear they all converted to become Jewish. And throughout Shas there are many different places in which we see an argument between Tanoim, whether they were considered Jewish or not, whether their conversion was considered genuine or not. Ultimately it was discovered that they still worshipped idolatry, so it was discovered that they were not Jewish, and that their conversion was not genuine. However, before that point, 
there was much debate on this matter. This Mishnah seems to imply that they were considered to be Jewish, because one who is onus or mafateh, a non-Jew, is not liable to the fine. But this Mishnah is showing that the Tana of this Mishnah considers Kusim to yes be Jewish, Right, as well as that, one who has relations with a woman who converted, or who was captured by non-Jews, or a non-Jewish female slave, who was ransomed, or converted, or was freed. And when a non-Jewish slave is freed, they become Jewish. This all happened when they were under the age of three. Which means that even though we are concerned that they had relations when they were non-Jewish or when they were captured by non-Jews, since it occurred before they were three years old, her relations are not considered significant at all, and she would still have the features of a basula. She would still be considered a basula, and therefore she does fulfill the cr- criteria to obligate the man to pay the kanas, the fine. Habala one who has relations with his sister, oviv, or his father's sister, or his mother's sister, or his wife's sister, or his brother's wife. Or his father's brother's wife, or if he had relations with a Nida, who is a woman who is Tome, with a particular type of Tuma, and it is forbidden under a severe prohibition to have relations with a Nida. In all of these cases, Yeshlem Kanas, the fine does apply to them, and the man would be obligated to pay the fine to her father. Afal Pi Shehen Kores, even though in these last few cases which we mentioned, they are punishable by Kores, for example, having relations with one's sister is punishable by Kores, which is a punishment given by Hashem, possibly an early death, where one is sort of cut off from Hashem in a way, or perhaps his children die early. The point is the punishment is given by Hashem, and Ein Behemisas Beistin, they do not carry with the prohibition the death penalty by Beistin, and because of that, very important, the rule of Kim Lebedurabomine does not apply, because that only applies to punishments which are given by Beistin, or something which one has to pay. But a punishment given by Hashem, which is not in the power of Beistin at all, the rule of Kim Lebedurabomine does not apply. The truth is, even in these cases, any prohibition which is punishable by Kores also carries with it the punishment of Malchus, of being lashed, as long as he was warned by witnesses before he performed that Avera, that he would receive lashes as a punishment for performing that Avera. So if indeed there were witnesses who did warn him about that, and so he would be liable to Malchus, in that case he would receive Malchus and he would not need to pay. So interestingly, there is a difference between the rule of Kim Lebe when it comes to something which is punishable by Kores or Malchus, lashes, and something which is punishable by the death penalty by Bastin. If it's something which is punishable by the death penalty, then even if he doesn't actually receive the death penalty, we still apply the rule of Kim Lebe and he would not need to pay. However, something which is punishable by Kores or Malchus, if he is warned about it, then only if he actually receives that punishment of Malchus would he be exempt from paying, because Malchus is not considered to be as severe as the death penalty, so only if he actually receives the punishment of Malchus would he be exempted from paying. Mishnah base, Ve'elusha'enlem kanas, the following women, if one was oinus or mafata them, would not be liable to paying the fine of 50 silver coins. Habalag yores valashivcha, one who has relations with a convert or somebody who was captured by non-Jews or somebody who was a non-Jewish female slave, and then they were ransomed or converted or were freed, when they were already above the age of three years old in one day. So now it's possible that they had relations, which were considered significant relations, in which case they are no longer a basula. 
And since one of the criteria for him to be obligated in the Kanas is that she is a basula, he would not be obligated in such a case. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, and we're going to understand that Rabbi Yehuda is arguing on much of what we have learned throughout the Masechta so far, that a woman who is captured is assumed to have had relations. Says Rabbi Yehuda, no, Rabbi Yehuda, a woman who was captured and then freed, she is assumed to still be in her state of holiness and purity. And we do not have that assumption that she had relations, even if she is already old enough that her relations are considered to be relations. Alright, Habal Bittai, one who has relations with his daughter, Albas Bittai, his daughter's daughter, Albas his son's daughter, Albas Ishtai, his wife's daughter, Albas Albas or his wife's son's daughter, or his wife's daughter's daughter. All of these are punishable by the death penalty, and therefore in Lehen Kanas, the fine, the payment, does not apply to them. Since he is liable by his soul, meaning he is liable to be killed, because his death will be by the hands of Beistin, and anybody who is liable to be killed, or at least violates an Avera which should make him liable to be killed, does not need to pay any money. Shanema as the Pasuk says, regarding two men who are fighting with each other and in the, in the midst of their fight they end up hitting a pregnant woman and her fetus is killed she ends up miscarrying the Torah says that in such a situation if there won't be any fatality if no if none of the men will be killed then the one who caused her to be miscarried would be punished which implies that only if he didn't kill the other man would he be obligated to pay for having caused that woman to be miscarried but if he did kill the other man so then we have the rule of that he only receives the harsher punishment, which is the death penalty for having killed another man. Causing the woman to miscarry is only punishable by having to pay, whereas killing the other man who is already alive, that would be punishable by the death penalty. Mr. Gimel, the Torah says that if she is a Na'ara and a Basula, Asha who has not been an Arusa, she has not received Kiddushin from anybody, if somebody is Oynasumafateha, then they would need to pay the Knas to her father. What about Narashinis Orsa Venisgarsha? A Nara who received Kiddushin, but then was divorced from that Kiddushin. Or if the man who performed Kiddushin on her died. So she's still a Basula because she hasn't had relations yet. However, she did go through a period of Erisin, of having received Kiddushin. says, The Knas, the fine, is not applicable to such a woman, since the Torah says that it only applies to somebody who had never received Kiddushin before. However, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Yesh lo kanas. The kanas is applicable to her. But the fine goes to her. When the Torah says that it has to be a woman who hasn't been an Arusa before, that's talking about a situation where you pay the father. So the Torah is telling you that if she has received Kedushin before, then you would just pay the fine to herself. She has sort of left the domain somewhat of her father. So you would pay her. Now it should be noted that the reason why it has to be that she is no longer engaged to somebody is because the punishment for having relations with a woman who has already received Kedushin is the death penalty and therefore we would have the rule of Kimle Bajabamine, in which case he would certainly be exempt from having to pay anybody. Mishnah Dalad, this Mishnah focuses on the differences between an Oynes and a Mufateh. And Ones certainly has more severe punishments because he forced her to have relations, which means he also caused her pain. And so the Mishnah says, Somebody who is Mefateh, who only seduces and convinces her to have relations with him, he must pay three things. Ones. The one who forces a woman to have relations, he must pay four things. 
The Mafate must pay for the embarrassment which he causes her, as well as the amount that she goes down in value. And we'll see in a couple of Mishnah's time how exactly we measure this. Ukanas, and of course the fine of 50 silver coins. Mosef Olav Oines. An Oines who forces her to have relations has an additional punishment. Shanesh and Satsar, he also needs to pay for the co- for the pain which he caused the woman. And the Mishnah asks, Mabi and Oines Lamafate, what are all of the differences between an Oines and a Mafate? So firstly, as we just saw, Oines and Oines Satsar, and Mafate and Oines and Satsar. An Oines must pay for the pain which he caused her, whereas a Mafate does not need to pay for the pain which he caused her. Since in general, when one seduces or convinces a woman to have relations with him, no pain is caused, if in a particular instance she did experience pain, he would not be responsible for paying for that. The next difference is the onus must pay all of these things immediately because he is obligated to marry her and that makes no difference to the payments. The Torah says that he is obligated to pay her and obligated to marry her. On the other hand, the mafate who seduced and convinced her to have relations, he only needs to pay if he causes her to go out, meaning if he does not marry her. The Torah says that if he refuses to marry her or if she or her father refuses to allow him to marry her, only then would he be obligated to pay all of these payments. Alright, and the third difference is that which literally means the Oines must drink out of his plant pot and that means that even if the woman who he forced to have relations is not particularly desirable, just like her plant pot is dirty, nevertheless he is still obligated to marry her as long as she and her father agree. And as well as that he is forbidden to divorce her. That is part of the punishment. Vamfate. But the Mafate in Rotzalahitzi if he wanted to separate from her, then he may do so. He doesn't even have to marry her in the first place, and if he does marry her, he can divorce her. And as the Torah explicitly says regarding the Mafate, then he is able to refuse, and if he refuses, then he must pay her all of the payments which you mentioned in this Mishnah.